Well, today, as Monty said, we're going to continue our journey through Psalm 139. And this week, um, we're looking at verses 7 to um, 12. And um, as I was at Bible study this week, I got the privilege to hear people testifying how God was really good in our small group. And I actually asked one of those people in my small group, Brenda, to share her story on what this psalm means to her this morning. This is a very powerful um, part of the psalm. And after reflecting on it for a week, um, I've come up with a shortened version of of what it means to me. Um, Sorry, I have to read it because um, there's so much to put into it. Psalm 39 is a very important reminder of what God has offered to you and me. I struggled with this until finally I prayed to God to accept me when I was about 32. I was brought up in Scotland, as you can hear, and I only experienced God to be feared of and someone who was judging of sin. Or perhaps that was all I heard at the time. Fraser and I came to Australia in 1983. God had plans for us. We lived in Melbourne, and a wonderful pastor, Lindsay, spent weekly sessions with me debating why I should become a follower of the Lord. I was a tough nut to crack, but eventually I asked God to accept me. A great relief for Lindsay and me. Verse 7 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. What a great comfort to read these words. It's, an, it's amazing that it's available to everyone. What a magnificent gift to share. Don't keep it to yourself. He wants us to spread the word to all. He was there when we went through six years of IVF treatment. Fraser persuaded me to have one last treatment after, sorry, <coughs> many failures. God was great. Heather is the most wonderful gift from God. We then moved to Melbourne, to Adelaide, and eventually to Sydney. I did go to church hunting to find a church which, which would help us in our faith journey we found Dural Baptist Church. It became an important part of our lives. Twelve years later, breast cancer arrived. God guided us through four separate occurrences over the years. Verse 10 says, Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He surrounded us with caring family, friends, and medical experts, even when I was bald from chemotherapy and didn't look good. Verse 11 says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. He gave me a fighting spirit and strength to get through it all. The Holy Spirit held my hand on the darkest of nights, and showed me the light. I'm so blessed that God is in my life, and I have his love in my heart. He brought me, my wonderful son-in-law, Joel, to Australia. Why? To meet my daughter, Heather, to marry her, and help her through Hodgkin's lymphoma. God strengthened us all. 
God gave us two wonderful grandchildren to cherish. What miracles. I can only encourage everyone here who does not know God to seek him out. Don't ignore his calling on your life. He's available to everyone. Verse 10 says, Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He's always there. He is our strength. Romans 8.39 says, No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in creation, will ever be to separate, will be ever able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, um, they are the greatest sermons. They are great. And um, on Monday night when I was sitting in my small group and Brenda shared, I know I freaked her out for the rest of the week by getting her to share on Sunday morning, but it is so encouraging. I, I just walked away on, on Monday night just so, so glad I'm doing life with people who have been through all kinds of things and, um, and have experienced the joy of the Lord and finding God in the hardest times. My gosh, Brenda, when I heard your story and Jay's story, you know, mine's nothing and you're an inspiration. So, um, well done. You know, people have been asking since the time, where is God? Isn't that a good question? Where is God? You know, the Hebrew people had a very different view of actually where God is. So this morning, I'm just going to race through some scripture. I'm going to try to do this in 15 to 20 minutes, okay? I realize we've got a lot of kids here this morning. But the, pe- the Hebrew people actually had an, an amazing understanding of where God is. And before I turn to Psalm 139, verses 7 to 11, we've got to remember that if you go to the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, what do you see in verse 2? You see that the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. God was present there from the beginning. <coughs> then you jump into Genesis chapter 3. And we know in Genesis chapter 2, God put Adam and Eve in the garden to cultivate it. And he says, he gives them one command, do not break this one command I give you. Sure enough, they break the command of God. And shame comes upon their life. Genesis 3, we see God, actually the God of the universe, he created Adam and Eve, walking through the garden, and he says to Adam and Eve, where are you? See, there is no place on this earth that you can hide from God. And that's going right through at the beginning of the scriptures. So Psalm 139 verse um, 1 to 7 says this. David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. That's like if you're up there in an aeroplane, you ever thought about it? (laughs) I used to as a kid, sorry. But um, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness, this is what Brenda shared, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness as light to you. 
you know, the more we go through Scripture, this idea of God being present is actually, it's dripping through Scripture. And I'm just going to take you through a quick overview this morning. Let's go to Jacob, Genesis chapter 28. He has this crazy, crazy dream. And he says, surely God is in this place. And he actually says, I didn't know it. God's presence took Jacob by surprise. Acts 17, Paul is speaking to a group of Epicurean and Stonic philosophers in Athens. He chats to them about the unknown God that they've got. He uses actually the stuff. He uses their poets and things to express to them who God is. And he's basically saying that God is everywhere, people. You know, the first thing you need to know if you're asking, where is God? The answer is that God is everywhere. He is not in everything. I'm not talking about pantheism. But I'm talking about an omnipresent God. He is with me as he is with my friends in New Zealand at this moment. No matter where we are on this planet, God is with people. The Bible goes on and says more. Later on, Israel are given this instruction to build a sanctuary. And it says this in Exodus 25, when they left the promised land. It says this, and let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. See, God is so interested in you. He's been an interest in people from the day one that he wants to dwell in their midst. He was obviously talking about the tabernacle. He gives Israel the instruction to build this tent to meet with them. There is this great moment when Moses and Joshua are hanging out in the tent meeting with God. They are experiencing the goodness of God. Moses gets up and walks out and Joshua stays there enjoying the presence of God. So you go to to meet God in the tabernacle. But eventually these nomadic people settle down and they start to build cities. You read this in 2 Samuel. God is talking to Nathan to give instruction to David. And this is what he says. This is what the Lord says. You will build a house for me to live in. And so these people now build a temple to go meet God in. You can start to see a progression. Creation, tabernacle, temple, And then all of a sudden, the prophets start prophesying that there'll be a woman that will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So you move into the New Testament and the people are still meeting before Jesus. They're meeting in this tabernacle, in this temple. And then in John chapter 1, we read these words. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now that word tabernacle is so important. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. What the scripture is actually saying there is that you will go to Jesus to meet with God. Now that is unbelievable. God has put on skin and moved into your neighborhood. You want to be in the direct presence of God, you go to Jesus.
Jesus gives us an understanding of who God is. There is no more speculation on this world of what God looks like and who he is. Because it's in Jesus. Later on, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send someone greater than I am. Acts 2, Pentecost comes, and people are filled with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within their hearts. Now, Paul was passionate about this. He picks it up. Romans 8, verse 10 says, If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but who? Christ who lives in me. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Then you go to Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can you see how passionate Paul was? Where is God? Can you see the journey from creation to people who are having faith in him? And then Paul says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells within you? So that temple turned into a tabernacle in Jesus. Now, the amazing thing is this, if you had faith in God, you are now the temple. You are now the meeting place where people come to meet God. Isn't that got implications for for mission? You know, this was prophesied throughout Scripture. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status. So God puts his spirit into mankind. God loves mankind. Who was it that God breathed the breath of life into in creation? It wasn't the animals, people. It was mankind. God, right at the beginning, blew his spirit into mankind. God loves people. So where is God, you may ask here this morning, where is God? In this in this psalm here, we see that God is everywhere. You cannot go on this planet where God is not. And if you're a follower of Jesus, where is God? He's inside of you. Now, do we believe that as followers of Jesus? I've got a hunch we forget it very often. So the first thing you did this morning when you got out of bed, did you realize that God was residing within you? We forget. We forget that the almighty God, once we believe in faith in what Jesus has done, enters us and lives within us. There is nowhere that I can go to get away from God. And the scriptures actually say that no one will ever take you out of my hand. No one. You know, I I just want to reiterate this this morning. I want to make sure that we get this. In 2 Timothy 1.14 it says, Guard through the Holy Spirit 
that what? Who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. It's a treasure. How do you walk through tough things in life like Brenda has and like Jay has the week before? You walk through that because God somehow enables you to do it. He is actually with you in those times. Like I said, the New Testament is dripping with this language of God being within his people. He will never leave us or forsake us. Now I just want to look at some stumbling blocks to God's presence. And then I'll close. I said I'd be quick, I'm going to be quick. Some of the stumbling blocks that come along that make us ask, God, where are you? Is yes, the suffering question is a big one. How many people come across that stumbling block because they go through something horrific and they say, God, where are you? You must not be there because I'm going through suffering. The guy that wrote this psalm wrote another psalm earlier on, Psalm 23, that you hear read out at funerals. Even though I walk through the valley of death, what does David say? You are with me. David had experienced some hard things in life. And yet he could honestly say in the Psalms that God, you are with me through the hard times in life. And actually, you know what? What I would say after reading stuff on pain and suffering, I would actually sit on C.S. Lewis's time, where is God in the suffering? It is in the suffering that God screams the loudest. It is when we are comfortable in life that God whispers. And I believe that is true. God has not forsaken you if you hit a rough patch in life. you just got to look where he is. And it can be one of the most rewarding places to be in to find God. Because he gets our attention. Now if God is in me, if God is truly in me as a believer, I don't have to seek the approval of anyone else. I can get up here this morning and be Pete. I don't have to put on a show or an act. Do you know why? Because if the God of the universe has chosen to reside in my life, I am worthy. I don't need to look to people for self-approval. I don't need your scoring card as you leave the church and say that was a 2 out of 10. You know why? Because I am accepted and I am approved and I am worthy for the God of the universe to reside within my life. I am loved. It is not found in any person or the job that I do. I am worthy because Jesus resides within me. Finally, I'll close with this. Are we hungry for more of God's presence? See, David was known as a man after God's own heart. He lived that side, that side of Jesus. Now we live this side of Jesus. And because of faith, Jesus' heartbeat resides in us. 
there are some things that stop the presence of God in our lives. See, when I don't surrender everything to God and I try to control my life, I am actually stopping the presence of God working through me. Control is a major issue for believers to release things and hand them over to God and surrender ourselves humbly and say, God, I need you more than ever. I don't have control. Control can destroy a church from the presence of God. Jesus said these amazing words, and I've been on this for years. If you would come after me and deny yourself and take up the cross, you will follow me. People, all of us must die. We must die within. We must get over ourselves and allow God to work through us. We are the greatest stumbling block to the presence of God. It is not to do with worship songs. It is not to do with anything else. It's to do with our heart. Will we surrender it to God? So, Gerald, what will make us attractive to the people of the Hills District? It is not our building. It is not our programs. It is the people of this church surrendering more to the presence of God. See, when people are filled with the presence of God, they are attractive to the world in which they live in. You know, as I close, I said I'd be short and I'm going to keep my word. As I close, I cannot speak about the presence of God without offering you the presence of God here this morning. That just doesn't make sense to me. I thought about this during the week. I can say all I want about the presence of God. We're good at that in the West. We have all these prepositions. We know all the stuff. But when was the last time that you encountered the presence of God in your life? When was the last time you felt God near to you? Because God promises if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Now that is a promise. God does not break promises. And so as we leave this morning, if you would like prayer for more of the presence of God in your life, maybe God is shining on something that you need to surrender and hand over to him and allow more of God in your life. Because as we allow more of God in our lives, we become attractive to the people around us. Why? Because we become more like God and less of ourselves. It is that simple. So let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for these amazing promises in Scripture. God, that you are everywhere. We cannot go anywhere in this world that you do not know about, that you do not see, that you are not there. God, when many of our people go into the workplace tomorrow, guess what? You are there. God, when we go back into our homes, whatever situation we're going in, you are there. God, no matter where we go on this planet, you are there. God, I pray, Lord, if there is anything in our hearts that is blocking more of who you are in our lives, 
that God, we will humbly get on our knees and we will confess it before you because God, as last week said, you already know about it. There is nothing on this world you can hide from me. So Father God, I pray that we will be a people like David. Lord, David could write in the Psalms from his own heart, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. God, may we be a people that actually thirst and hungry for the things of God. Because God, in them I know is life. And so God, help us. God, fill us with your presence. God, because you are everywhere. Amen.